Welcome back, fine townsfolk, to another episode of Random Encounters. I'm Nick. I'm Matt. And here we are again to discuss another random monster from a random monster manual. This week I have in my hand lovely Cobalt Press's Tome of Beasts, one of their awesome, awesome books for creepy, cool, and various other, sometimes cute, uh, monsters. And we are open to page, let me find it, there we go, 119. 119, Tome of Beasts. Matt, this is, nope, it's a Latin name, that's kind of cool. Okay. Uh, it is called the DC Mortum. Okay. D-I-S-S-I-M-O-R-T-U-U-M. And okay. the actual translation, DC in Latin means to begin. And can you guess what mortum is? Uh, something to do with death, I would think. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. To begin the death or rough translation. Yeah. And before I even get into the description, I'll show you a picture. It's got a okay. bag yeah. of body parts, bone saw, three arms, and take special note of that creepy mask on there. Yeah, it definitely looks like something out of a uh, Guillermo del Toro movie. Exactly what I was thinking, yep. So the mask is important, and we'll see, we'll see how it comes up. Some flavor text. This twisted humanoid has gray flesh and black claws that drip blood. A bone mask is bound to its head by strips of putrid flesh, and a third arm hangs from the right side of the creature's body, its hand clutching a large sack stained with blood. So the DC Mortum are plague bringers. They are undead monstrosities constructed by necromancers to spread the undead plague slowly but surely. These creatures are rare but tenacious. A DC Mortum obeys orders from the necromancer whose magic created it. When a DC Mortum kills, it collects body parts from its victims and keeps them in a sack that it carries with its third arm at all times. The monster sets down its sack of trophies only when pressed in combat to make the most of its extra limb. Even when not following instructions, a DC Mortum seeks to create more of its own kind. It's like an autopilot. The creature wanders graveyards, battlefields, and slums, searching for the gruesome components it needs to construct a mask and body for its undead offspring. The process is slow, taking up to a month to make a single mask, but a DC Mortum has nothing but time. The new creation is independent and not under the control of its maker. The mask of a DC Mortum is nigh indestructible. When the creature is destroyed, its mask usually survives and breaks free. On its own, the object detects as magical with mixed enchantment and necromantic auras. It is a tempting souvenir, but anyone foolish enough to don the mask is immediately racked by pain and takes 2d6 necrotic damage. The character must make a successful DC 15 wisdom saving throw or become dominated by the mask. This is my favorite part. The domination arrives slowly. The character acts normally for a day or two, but then the character notices periods of time that cannot be accounted for. During these times, the character gathers the grisly components needed to build a new body for the DC Mortum. This process takes a week, after which the character is freed from domination as the undead creature is reborn. Okay. So they don't even turn into one. 
They're yeah. just like the machine to make a new one, and then the mask goes back to that one. That's not what I expected at all. How cool is that? It It's almost like there is a... Like, each mask has its own, like, soul and personality, and they just need a new vessel, a new body to, to be yep. placed onto. Well, it's like the old Wii remotes. You can mm. use a fishing rod, but you needed the Wii remote to, yeah. to do it. That's right. That's right. Yeah, they they came with a variety. I mean, they also had, like, the, 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 the steering wheel and stuff like that. They had, yep. I think they had a... A, like a magic wand or something. Probably, and a bow for, like, Link's crossbow arena or yep. something like that. But they were all useless unless they had the DC Mortem mask, which is the, the Wii the Wii mote. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's a good analogy. <laughs> so this thing is a... It's only a challenge, seven. So that's not okay. so bad. Armor class of 15, 112 hit points. Speed and climb of 30. I don't know why I thought he would be a little slower than that. He would just, like, trudge, you know? You would think relatively undead would be kind of lumbering. Yeah, maybe that's why. It's got it's got that undead zombie feel. Damage, resistance, bludgeoning, piercing, slashing from non-magical weapons. Damage immunities of necrotic and poison. Condition immunities of charmed, exhaustion, and poisoned. He has spider climb. That's kind of cool. That is cool. Maybe be, between the, maybe that extra limb really. That's that's all we're missing. If we just had one extra limb, we'd be we'd be fine. Evolution just really boned us. But I imagine if if this thing is climbing, it's still going to be holding onto that sack. So true. Maybe it's holding in its teeth like a pirate. <laughs> I wish. No, that's that's for the bone saw. The bone saw goes oh, in there. The rusty, gotcha. bloody bone saw. And in terms of fighting this thing, he's. He can make three claw attacks, one for each hand. It's a melee, plus five to hit, reach five, one target, 3d8 plus two slashing. And then the only other like really special thing is the terrifying mask effect. Each non-undead creature, so each living creature, non-undead? Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> Unless would you... Would, would a construct fall into Like would a golem fall into that? It's, well, here, let me finish. Within 60 feet of the DC Mortem that can see it must make a successful DC wisdom saving throw or be frightened for 1d8 rounds. If a target's saving throw is successful or the effect ends, the target becomes immune to all DC Mortems, to all, to all of the DC Mortem's terrifying masks. Oh, for all, oh. The target becomes immune to all DC Mortum's terrifying masks for the next 24 hours. So if there are five of them and you save on one, you're fine. That's good news. So, also really cool to, to think of, like, an army of these things. Yeah. But, what, I guess it would depend on... It probably says in that creature's stats if they're immune to fear effects. I think that's all we, you got to go on in terms of what can be affected by that, not living or, or undead or whatever. That, yeah, I think I would uh, kind of house rule it a little bit if it came to that. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, so that's it for the DC Mortem. Thoughts? I like the idea of using it in a kind of a four horseman campaign. Ooh. I think it would be a very interesting kind of agent of pestilence, I guess. Okay. Yeah, because 
they say in there the the plague quote unquote of undead yeah. or, or of undeath i suppose that's interesting i mean he could he could technically what is it pestilence famine war and death war and death he could maybe be death as well but it not really cuz it's the the whole like raising things from the dead as well yeah thing yeah i like that a lot and the idea that you can dominate someone it, mm. you're always going to have someone in your party that is i don't want to say dumb enough cuz it's not that it's not a dumb thing but adventurous enough that they're going to try things like oh i want to put on the mask right oh, i want right. to see how this how this feels and what this does and maybe you give them a fairly high dc like an arcana check or something like that to to try to determine whether it's a good idea or not right if they don't hit it it's you know it's a flip of a coin basically yeah if if it's the wizard who who wants to do it they have a better chance of of avoiding it than like the barbarian or something. And honestly, yeah. as a barbarian, I 100% what I want one of those. How cool is that? The great exactly. great mask. Honestly, if I had if I was the barbarian and and you were my DM, I would petition that I got an extra, you know, plus 3 intimidation bonus if I wore this mask. I and I would give it. I totally give yeah. it. Maybe not plus 3, but but pretty close. Pretty close. And yeah, and then I would put it on and all of a sudden I would start losing pieces of my day like I was, you know, uh, just a blackout drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Drunk, drunk on, drunk on undeath. That sounds like a heavy metal band. And yeah. 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 I love their, their single DC Mortum in, no, I got nothing. <clears throat> I, <laughs> these guys are really cool. If, if we're, and I know we've, we've, at this point, we've certainly got enough options for the fabled necromancer campaign based on the fact that we're on episode 37 of the new run of random encounters. So we, we've seen enough undead at this point, but, uh, but most of them have kind of been like fodder. Like you have to get through these things to get to the big bad necromancer. The DC Mortum feels like they would be if they're not off doing their thing of like collecting body parts, it feels like they'd be almost like a right-hand man, almost like a gr not a Grimer worm tongue per se, but it feels like they would be a little more personally connected to the necromancer, even though there's nothing in in the piece here that really says that they would, that even really grants them intelligence. Their intelligence, their intelligence is an eight; it's a negative one. So they're not yes. they're not sentient. I mean, they're just going on on instinct, instinct basically. Yeah. yeah, but I don't know. There's something about there's something about it that looks like it would have a little personality there. And there's no reason, as the DM, you can't. No reason you can't spec that out. Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, give it uh, an interesting hook for the character itself. You know, even if you have like you were talking about before multiple of these maybe give him a hierarchy there's one that uh maybe he put together a better batch of body parts so he has kind of uh he has more intelligence or mm. something along those lines where he was able to maybe gather a brain of of someone that was far superior in terms of intellect or very 
going off of that a lot like what we saw with let me see if i can remember who it was the mage ripper swarm i think it was the mm-hmm. mage Ripper. no no i'm sorry not the mage ripper swarm the larva mage last week yeah the you're seeing this necromancer all throughout the campaign every few levels you're fighting him or or he's there when you fight one of his big bad things Maybe as as he's leveling up, you're, you're seeing versions of the DC Mortum as well. So they start out okay. at level seven and they're just like kind of shambling and doing their thing. But as he becomes more powerful, he he has better control of his magic and he can instill more intelligence and things like that. Or he's combining his his necromantic powers to to take a shambling zombie style, but also instilling intelligence in it as well. What if the, the mask is the only constant. And so Mm. you see building off of that premise where it levels up, so to speak with every encounter, you have more strength, more intelligence, more, more whatever attributes you want to build up but the mask stays the same. So you kind of have the idea that this is the same character, but it's inhabiting different vessels that that's allowing it to have more, more power, more attributes. Still as, still as a, a goober of the, the necromancer you're saying. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. But like, for example, you kill the, kill the level seven, the necromancer dives in and takes the mask before the barbarian can foolishly oh, put it on. Okay, and just builds that vessel. He he. All of a sudden, you hear two days later that someone from the village went missing, and they then they showed back up again two days later and didn't know where they were for two days. Hmm. Okay, and they just spent or a week. I'm sorry, a week. They just spent that week building the next level of dc mortal yeah i like that it 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 gives a lot of gives a lot of thought behind the necromancer's actions he doesn't want to spend the time to create another one of these he knows full well that he can just slip this mask to someone who's really kind of unaware and they'll do it for him and recreate his own and then once that DC Mortum is created, they'll go and create more. Although, once once that one creates new ones, they aren't under his control. But I, I can't imagine it's really that difficult for a necromancer to, like, come on, like, control these things, even if he, he comes upon one in the wild, you know. I would imagine, yeah. And I think it would be interesting to, if you were going to go that route, have some sort of marking some sort of facial scarring or tattoo mm. or something like that on the villagers that have been abducted, I guess you could say. Mm. Maybe they come back after a week and they have a little, like a, a light pink mask, so to speak, around their yeah. face that uh, kind of signifies their... Exposure? Exposure to the, yeah, exposure yeah. to the necromancer or the just the fact that they had this job for a week. Yeah, it's it's like a necromantic burn almost. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and they can't wash it off, and they can't, they can't remove it in any way. And mm-hmm. maybe that is the, that's kind of the hook that gets the whole thing started. Is you come across this 
village of just everyone in the village has this mark on their face. How many how many DC Mortum are there for for an entire village? That's cool. Exactly. Yeah, I like that idea actually. That's really cool to and we we visited this idea before certainly like the village that's just outside of the castle or the cave or or whatever that is that is essentially being used by the big bad for any number of things. Yeah, sometimes they are willing. Maybe they they've struck a deal mm, or maybe mm. an unspoken deal where they they allow the necromancer to to utilize their labor. Yeah. In 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 exchange for not wiping them off the face of the earth, basically, right. because he has that much power. But it's one of those things where it's kind of hush hush. They're not going to talk about it. They're not. They're certainly not going to tell a group of four random strangers that yeah. show up all about it. Yeah. But their face gives it away. Right. They. They're. They're kind of strong armed into it, and honestly, the the alternative is even worse. So they deal with it, and of course, that gives you as the DM a good chance to kind of make it a Scooby-Doo mystery, you know, where they have to figure out what the heck is actually going on and realize that the villagers are, they're, they're not bad people. They're just doing what they need to do. You know, the, the big question is why the heck don't they move? But I mean, you can say that about people living in, in, New Orleans, war-torn New Orleans. Yeah, exactly. Why don't you move? Well, it's not. It's not that easy. I mean, yeah, exactly. Maybe it. Maybe it would be easier in in a a mythical, uh, high fantasy realm, where you just need the the elbow grease to build yourself a new home. But you know, still. Yeah, exactly. It's. I like that idea where they're kind of they're kind of stuck, even though yeah they could move, but who's really going to dig that that deep? to basically get this entire village to uproot itself. Yeah. And in that moment, then that's when the necromancer really gets angry because you just took all his free labor. Right. And and ultimately, all you got to do in, in exchange for your protection is wear the mask once. You know? Exactly. You're passing it around. It's not like yeah. there's one person in the village that's being picked on, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, and and maybe oh maybe we even get really 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 like deep level, and it's it's every month they have a sacri- sacrifice, quote unquote, yep. that has to go off into the woods, and no one really knows because everyone is unconscious by the time any of that happens. They disappear for a week, and then they come back with that mark. You know? Yeah, the last thing they see is maybe the previous DC Mortum or something like that. Mm. Oh, wait, no. So that 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 implies though that he has all of these masks that need new husks cuz remember the mask goes back to the the new body, the new DC Mortum. Oh yeah, he's made a, a bunch of masks and they're just hanging around. Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so he's just got a, a crate a crate of masks. He he basically he picked up the he picked him up in bulk at, at Costco and he he's just waiting to to throw him on some unsuspecting villager. Exactly. Yeah, I do find it interesting that you went the Scooby Doo route where basically the end of the adventure is they're unmasking someone. Oh, perfect. Yeah, perfect. 
I, w- I want to go back to something you mentioned that he's that the necromancer would swoop in and grab the mask before the barbarian picks it up or or whatever. I like that idea a lot because maybe that's the first time where your where the where the party sees that there's there's a little something more about this mask. Like yeah, we we fought one or two of these things and they die and and that's that's fine, whatever. But if the necromancer is taking the time to go in and grab this thing, like it's it's clearly valuable, it's clearly rare and and it is not something that he wants to lose. That's a great way to really spark that that intrigue in the party of like, oh wait, what what just happened? Why why did he do that? You know Exactly, especially if the necromancer pops in and you can tell that he's even more powerful than you are. Yeah. He you know, he throws up some sort of a shield or something like that that doesn't even allow you near him or the the mask before he blinks mm-hmm. out of existence. Yeah. And this like you said, that puts that little little breadcrumb out there for the the barbarian to maybe pick this the next one up make some kind of crazy acrobatics roll or something along those lines mm-hmm. where he's able to get to it first and then put it on yeah yeah it could go either way depending on on the the situation that you set up for them to be to be kept away from it and just the creativity of your players and their roles there's always there's always that chance Unless you unless you pull the god mode and say, you can't move. He snaps his fingers and all of a sudden you can't move. If you're not giving them the opportunity to avoid it or break out of it, you're you're putting that big bad into a really powerful spot. He's if if he has that it, in terms of game mechanics and spells and whatnot in the world that we all. We are all agreeing to share these rules. If you as the DM are doing that, you are making that guy like God level powerful. Exactly. Yeah. And I can see that being the case and probably even acceptable for the first few times that they they encounter this creature mm-hmm. just because it's going to be kind of a lower level. True. But as as they go and as they level up, that's when you start saying Okay, give me a dice roll to, you know, that as soon as the combat's over and they see this mask and they see this creature again, that's when your barbarian would immediately say, I want to pick up the mask. Yeah. And then eventually you start giving him that the opportunity to roll a, a dex check or something along those lines to actually make that and, and allow him to do so because he is now... The gap is closing between these guys right. and the necromancer. Right. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. And and just because in the book this thing is a level seven doesn't mean you can't scale it down, obviously, for for mm-hmm. f- if they if you want them to encounter at level two, just just grab a grab a zombie template, you know, and then slap this skin on there. There's nothing different other than the fear effect and three attacks instead of two, you know. Exactly. It's this this one kind of ironically, this one is is the easiest to put the skin on something else because there's there's not so much unique about it that you have to futz with numbers and stuff like that. Yeah, the uniqueness is basically the skin. 
Yeah. And the, the, and the story you create yep, with it. The lore behind it, yeah. As as the DM, once they defeat this thing, or a couple times in after having defeated or seen this thing a couple of times, do you do you do the, the DM thing of, of suddenly saying, give me a perception, you notice this mask, you notice this, like, do you point them at that? And I suppose you don't necessarily have to make that decision right away because sometimes your players may notice it after a while if you just like throw in the occasional detail without making them roll. But if none of them do pick up on it, say it's the third or fourth time, do, do you just let it go? Ultimately, it depends on how much of a linchpin it is in your story. Yeah, for sure. The thing is, if it's going to show up three or four times and be wearing the same mask, it would probably be more of a of a linchpin, like you said. Yeah. So I would I would give it a couple times just to make sure that they're not catching it on their own. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, then I would just have them roll a perception check just to say. And I I don't think I would give them the the full like oh this is the mask. Yeah. It might be you recognize something, even though this is a different body, there's something about it that is similar to oh, what you've seen yeah. before. I forgot about the that it can be put on different bodies. And they're all like various body parts. So the arms can look different than the last time and the, the torso exactly. can look different. That's really cool. And especially if I was thinking you're your necromancer could like carve patterns like a filigree into the mask. So, you know, for a fact that it's oh, the yeah. same mask, you know, he marks them just zero, zero, one. Yeah. Right. Right. Just it bar, it's barcodes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a QR code on there. <laughs> uh, that's, that's really cool. I forgot. So you recognize this mask, you know, you've seen this before and you know, you've defeated this thing. You, you remember it falling down and not moving. Exactly. Yeah, and the body looks different. It's really just a flesh golem with a mask on each time. Right, right. And you, you insert that personality chip into it and that's exactly. that's it. It's like it's like a SIM card. It's like a SIM slash S D card for your phone. Yes. That's exactly. It. That's yeah. it. We nailed that. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, any any thoughts on the DC Mortem? No, no, I really like I like how we've basically created a, an undead campaign over the length of this show. I know we we need to we need to build it. We need by by the time we retire at at sixty five, we can do an entire module, and 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 put it out there based on the that, the three hundred episodes that we've done. Exactly what we want to do at sixty five is write a D and D module. Hey, I mean that that's a pretty good retirement. I'd be okay yeah. with that. So how let's 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 rate this guy. And I'm going to think about Okay, I know what you're going to give it. I think I know what you're going to give it. 1 out of 10 Jason Voorhees masks made of bone. What would you rate this guy? I would go a solid 7 Jason Voorhees bony masks. I was wrong. I was totally wrong. Not a surprise. I'm always floored. I thought you were only going to give it like a four. (laughs) No, I'll never get it. I'll never get it. (laughs) This is a, a 
campaign spanning creature. It is. That you can build so much around, both in terms of NPC and PC development. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's a great vessel for a lot of that. And it provides the optics each and every time you see it where it's a it can be a different creature for lack of a better term and still have that recognizable QR code on its mask where it's it can become an iconic piece of your campaign at the end or by the end. And I also one thing I really like about it is how how really simple it is. But but there are still those one or two elements that that I think you can get a lot of traction out of. It's not crazy hard to fight or to to use as a DM. He, yeah. There's not a lot of setup, not a lot of preamble. It's really it's really pretty nice and 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 tidy. It's its own little little encompassed unit. Honestly, one of my favorite things as a DM is the fact that you can use this at basically any level by yeah. throwing a mask on a zombie or mm-hmm. whatever creature. But it, it's not going to take a whole lot of work on your end to make this fit the scenario, which because there's going to be so much work to do just about everything else, it's nice right. to have at least a little bit of a break somewhere. Yeah, yeah, very true, very true. It's it is it is a boon to the DM who is running an undead campaign, and it's it's really nice, nice little new unique flavor that. That we could all we we would all do do well to see a little a little change. Everybody's seen skeletons. Everybody's seen zombies, and they want to see them in an undead campaign. But but peppering in these other things is is nice. Yeah, you have to kind of change the landscape just a little bit, or else it winds up becoming very stale very quickly. Yeah, yeah. All all one note. Yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. Seven Jason Voorhees masks made of bone for the DC Mortum. Thanks so much for listening to Random Encounters. Go on to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts and rate us and review us, please. The more you do that, the more great big nerds like us can hear this fun show. Everybody needs new ideas for characters and writing and DMing, etc., etc. We want to offer that to you. Also, if you have any ideas for using a DC Mortum or a Larva Mage or a Were Shark or anything else we've talked about, let us know. Write into us. Go to fecklessmomes.com. There's a contact us right on the front page. You can write into us there, or you can just email us directly at momes at fecklessmomes.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to, to hear what you have. We'd love to see your suggestions of what you want us to to talk about. We'd love to do that. And uh, we will certainly be back next week with another random monster from a random monster manual. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye. Hey. Random Encounters is a proud member of the Feckless Momes Audio Network.